Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with this Thursday expert, the CEO of Hemlane. How are you doing this morning, Dana? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's actually a little secret. It is not morning for you. It is early evening, late afternoon, I guess early evening, because you are coming to us all the way from the great continent of Africa. Is it the country of Kenya? I forget. Which country are you in? Yeah, I'm in uh, Kenya, Mombasa, Kenya. Very, very cool. This is something you do every summer? Every summer we come here. Um, and unlike you in the South Bay, where it's a little bit warmer, we're in the fog in San Francisco. Um, so even though it's winter here, it's still 80 degrees compared to, uh, to, to San Francisco. And I have to say, that's a good thing about being a real estate investor. Um, something you and I promote a lot is that you have that flexibility um, to move around and um, live other places. Um, so we definitely try to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, uh, we did this last year uh, a couple of times, and the uh, Wi-Fi or internet in Kenya is amazing. It's like you're sitting next door to me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So unlike the US, where there's a lot of regulations, um, for those who don't know in Africa, they don't have any of those regulations. So you could basically put an AT&T tower up next to your house. And I don't think anyone would say anything about it. <laughs> and so um, it was shocking to me that the internet here is better than in San Francisco, uh, which is, which is, is uh, which is benefit here. Yeah. There you go. Well, hey, well, hey thank you. For, this is so much fun. I, I really appreciate the fact that these mean something to you. And we still do these even when you're out of the country. Uh, we have a cool topic. You, Hemlane, uh, just uh, issued a survey and you've actually collected the results. Uh, let's step back and, and kind of paint the picture. Why did you do the survey? What was in it? And then we'll break down what the results were. Yeah, so um, back, I'll, I'll start with um, right before COVID, we had a couple of kind of top, they were top well-known um, journalists in the real estate space reach out to us to say, what data do you have on COVID? So we started taking that data and um, presenting the numbers. And one of those journalists said, these aren't mind-blowing numbers of, you know, all tenants defaulting on their, their rent. Um, you know, the market is, is, is tanking. No tenants are going to pay rent. That they essentially said, we're not going to report this. We need something that is um, much more newsworthy. And so for us, it was really important to say, we don't know everyone else's data. Um, but what we do know is our own data and we should start using that to report accurate numbers because for us, our incentives are aligned to just tell you what the truth is. It's not to get a new survey out that's clickbait. Yeah. Our goal and interest is to make sure real estate investors are educated about what's happening 
and also just analyze it, understand why something may be happening. And so um, we've just started, this is the first of um, quarterly surveys that we're gonna do to really understand real estate investors um, and actually more importantly, tenants and how they are feeling based on anything that's happening, trends in the market, um, all the way to also understanding um, um, like consumer behavior. And um, so with over 17,000 rentals, plus all the applicants coming in, we said, why don't we actually use this to survey and um, get some insights in and glimpse into what's happening across the nation. Um, so we started this one and really the concept and goal behind it was to understand inflation, right? We've seen stats saying, you know, that um, the wages aren't increasing as quickly as inflation, right? It's between four to 5% versus inflation at eight, nine, 10% plus. Um, that, you know, how is that affecting tenants? Because they're usually the ones who get more cost burdened. And so really understanding what's happening. And um, I think even more importantly, just for everyone on this channel to know, um, mass market of rental properties are small mom and pop landlords like me and Michael, you back in the day before you built um, an empire. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, um, what's really important to note is usually when stats go out there, it's really hard to get all the data on all the small mom and pops. So they report data based on institutional investors yeah. Because it's easier to get the data. They just have to go to five of them. Yeah. Or they report data based on large property management shops, which might have different incentives. And so for us, it was really important to say, we have a consolidation because we do property management. Mm -hmm. We have a consolidation of um, small mom and pop landlords. What are they seeing? What are their tenants seeing? And this might not be exactly what's reported in the news. So anyways, uh, this survey is, is basically for us to understand inflation, um, what landlords are thinking with um, interest rates and inflation for the next year, as well as how is this impacting tenants? Mm -hmm. um, and some of the results are, are sort of interesting. So, uh, yeah. that's, so, so that's a couple basically of, the background on it. Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I think this is a genius move. Uh, a, you're, you kind of are sitting at the apex of mom and pop landlords, which I think is awesome. It's a, it's a, obviously a unique market, a market that I really consider myself still in. Uh, it's really what one rental at a time speaks to. So kudos to you. Uh, you also, um, you know, you get a big swath of the country and all income brackets being a mom and pop kind of sitting on top of that. You're just not Blackstone or Blackrock or, you know, American Homes or whatever. And I think that's really important. I mean, because again, the big Wall Street firms make up less than 1% of single family rentals, which is mind blowing given all the negative headlines and, and whatnot. So I think that is really yep. underserved. I think Hemline, Hemlane gets the, you really can create unique metrics that will become a source, right? I could see you in a couple of quarters once this is seasoned, becoming that, you know, you know, housing wire, you know, kind of survey there or Zillow survey or whatever. So kudos to you for doing this. And then I just want to make sure I understand. So you have a survey, it's whatever set of questions. Do you send the same questions to a landlord, a, AKA owner, as you might send to the 17,000 tenants, or is it kind of the same topics, but different questions? Do you do one or the other or both? What, what is all that? 
Yeah, different questions. So okay. to the landlords, we send um, one survey asking about um, one, how they're thinking about rent increases. Are they more likely to increase them with inflation? Um, you know, are they more likely to purchase properties or are they thinking about selling them because the market has been said that it's at a high? Mm -hmm. um, and, and we've seen that um, some tapering off here. Um, that's for the landlords where it's specific to their properties. Then on the tenant side, when we send the survey out to them, it's all about how are they impacted by rent? Did they also see increases? How is that affecting their ability to pay um, for, you know, groceries and mm -hmm. gas? And um, what are they thinking? And, and it was, it, it's, it's actually really interesting to hear it from both sides. Yeah. And then get the responses um, from them. And we had some kind of other categories for people to type in responses. So it was really interesting to hear from tenants on that of what they were saying, like, are you kidding me? You cannot believe how, um, you know, affected I've been trying to live paycheck to paycheck and things like that. So um, really just kind of trying to get into their head um, and understand it without any sort of personal gain from it, more so just to share the, share the data. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is awesome. I, uh, again, I think this will be a quarterly survey that is very quickly referenced uh, commonly by Wall Street Journal and, and the others. So I'd be curious, the first survey is now complete. You've gathered the data. What yeah. are some aha moments you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So um, the first thing I would say is rent increases. Let's just talk about rent increases. And the reason for that is I think a lot of landlords um, like ourselves are sitting there saying, hey, inflation's going up. Usually I, I increase my rent between one to 3%, maybe like CPI, I'm somewhere in there year over year. And um, then now that we have inflation, that's um, um, through the roof, should I be raising it to like eight, nine, 10%? Um, and so we did a survey to understand that of, of how, they, how they were thinking about rent. And actually what was interesting is 49% of landlords had said that with over the past year, and these are ones who've been landlords for over 12 months. So it's not like a brand new landlord who's acquired a property and is, is increasing rent. These are ones who've been landlords um, for you know a two plus years here, have said that of 49% of them, so basically half, have said they've increased their rent by over um, um, 3%. Oh, wow. So above what they considered um, uh, inflation historically. And the number one reason, so 67% said it was to get it to market rates. But in many of those cases, what we found was that it was when the tenants were moving out, that it was their opportunity to really increase it. And so while you see that, um, th this increase, a lot of it has to do with, hey, my tenant is moving out. I'm going to take advantage to bring this up to market rate. Mm -hmm. um, then 25%, so about a quarter um, said, hey, I increased it, you know, one to 3%. I wasn't trying to get greedy. And the the primary reason for that, which you could probably guess, is they want to keep the tenants in their property. When you are a small mom and pop, having a vacancy is, impacts you so much more significantly mm -hmm. than if you are a large institutional where you say, hey, I can have a 5% vacancy rate for you it might be 100% vacancy if the tenant moves out. And so it was really interesting that a quarter of them still felt like, oh, shoot, if I raised it anymore, 
even though we're we're reading the inflation numbers, it will impact me once that the tenant will move out. Mm -hmm. um, and then 25%, so another quarter of them, and I'm rounding up because it's like 24% or whatever, but a quarter of them said they didn't raise rent at all. And it was not a standard practice to raise rent. I actually found that to be quite interesting because if you're going to raise rent at any time during a renewal um, mm -hmm. you would assume that you would do it during, um, during the time when you see inflation um, hitting the highest point. And of those, so of that, of everyone, over 12% said, it's just a standard practice. We never raise rents. When a tenant's in there, we're mm -hmm. going to leave them in there. And I thought that was actually really interesting because I'm like, well, 10 years down the road, how does that look to your numbers? Mm -hmm. um, so this is, this is just unbiased. The yeah, that we so, so this is this is pretty awesome. And again, I actually did a video, I don't know, probably three or four weeks ago, basically saying um, Wall Street landlords suck. Uh, and it's because Wall Street landlords or the big shops, right? They're they're you believe it or they're going to raise rent at every opportunity. Frankly, they're going to nickel and dime you uh, on all yeah. fees, all legally fees. They're just going to get you. Uh, because again, they got to pay for the overhead somehow, right? They got a vice president and a VP and this and that. That overhead ain't cheap. Uh, and this is why mom and pop landlords are important. It's why I uh, kind of talk to them. It's what it's it's kind of who I am. And this actually makes me feel good, right? There's there's a lot of talk about rents going yeah. up, you know, 10, 12%. It's not the mom and pop landlords. First and foremost, uh, let me just tell you right now, if you're a landlord, you absolutely should take your units to market at turnover. That should be expected. Uh, if you're yeah. not, if you're not doing that, that's bad management. Let's just, let's, let's take that off the table. But as you have tenants that are paying for the longest time, as you know, we've talked about this. I didn't raise rents. I raised rents every other year. Uh, I had to do that until Gavin Newsom, King Gavin Newsom told me uh, that it's basically against the law. And I had to raise rents every year. Um, that's, that's what his rent control told me to do. Yeah. So, you know, that the king said to do it. So we have to do it now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a great practice. And I'm really, I, I actually, I actually probably would have guessed those numbers, roughly speaking, a quarter percent yeah. don't raise rents, uh, a quarter below three and a half uh, at turnover. I, that that kind of makes me feel good. But that is not the talk track that the media has. Dana, that, that, that actually shows mom and pop landlords being good people and caring about their tenants. That's not blood in the streets and, you know, let's evict everybody and, you know, take it all, all the way up. I mean, that's not going to get you any views. I mean, that's, that's actually compassion. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that, that's, I think, actually, when you look at these, because um, in our survey, if you, if you go to hemling.com uh, forward slash resources, which has this market research, Oh, nice. what's re really interesting about it has all the numbers and the write up on it. Um, we start by talking about what the news is is reporting of 15% um, year-over-year rent increases and stuff like that. And my question is, one, is this just a vacant property people are bringing up to market rate? Or two, is this institutionals who are increasing it because they don't care? Like, where is this data coming yeah. from? Because our numbers are showing what you and I could probably guess because we talk to yeah. landlords every day. Every day. And um, the news doesn't really. They're just like, great, we're going to get the data the fastest. And I don't actually no, think no, that no, is the small no, mom and pop. It's not, our, yeah. No, it is not where they can get the data the fastest. Sorry to cut you off. It's no, where they can fine. get the scariest headline. 
scary side life. Yeah, no, Very you're, different. you're totally right. Totally. And I think it's institutional. And then also, I think um, just property managers, if you're using a property manager, I would say they have more of an incentive to increase it because they would make money on the turnover um, as well. So it could be some of these much larger property management shops where they get the data, the nationwide ones, where they you. say, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I get a full leasing. Um, I make more money off the property management fee if it's higher rent and I get the leasing turnover. Yeah. The landlord doesn't get rent that month, but I get a full turnover cost, which is usually one month's rent. Let me increase it. But if you think about the small mom and pop, most of them are saying, Hey, vacancy is terrible for me. My goal is to keep, if they're a good tenant, my my primary goal is to keep them in there. And so I think, you know, there's probably those two um, at play of where they're getting the data from, um, which is not, you know, mass market out there. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that was it on the the landlord side for uh, rent increases. I I, I think that is, um, frankly, it's heartwarming, right? I have long thought that mom and pop landlords are are in most, again, let's be clear. There are clearly some slumlords. I'm, Let's remove that two, three, four percent, whatever that is. Most mom and pop landlords, I've talked to thousands of them over the last 20 years, are good hearted people that would much rather not raise rents, just keep the thing going, uh, than be someone who's going to take you to market, you know, 15%. It's not the mom and pop landlords. It's frankly journalists being lazy. They're calling three people, they're taking the largest number. It is not about it's it's about the scariest headline. And that's something we need to realize is negativity sells, negativity gets clicks. And uh, it's, it's fun to bash landlords, but let's be clear. If you're going to start bashing landlords, what this first question tells us, it, let's at least target the anger where appropriate and bash Wall Street. Let's not bash mom and pop because again, 25% don't raise rent, 25% one to three, and the other 50 is only a turnover and that's okay. So I love this first question. What else you got? Yeah, great. So the other thing that we asked um, landlords is about, which is equally important to um, how they're looking at their um, current portfolio and their tenants is what are you thinking in the next 12 months, right? So are you looking to sell your properties? Are you looking to acquire more properties? And hands down, you probably could have guess this, but most landlords had said, hey, my real estate has been a fantastic hedge against inflation. Like, I just want to mention that. Mm. However, they had said they're not looking to purchase more properties this year than last year. They They are pulling back on purchasing properties. And I believe that has to do with interest rates still Mm -hmm. holding out to see what happens with the market. Is the market going to go down? How quickly would it um, potentially flatten out um, Mm -hmm. or will prices um, reduce? And so um, it was mass um, majority of them, 68% who said, Hey, we're not going to purchase more properties. This is really interesting to me because I actually think there's a huge opportunity here. If you have fewer people in the market looking to buy, Um, You actually might get some really good deals, right? Because I've actually seen this personally, um, not for myself, but others, others who I know, who put properties on market and said, oh, it's a hot, hot market. And they're thinking, you know, four, five, six months ago, um, right before we started seeing this, well, oh, my property, I'm going to put it at this price. I'm going to get 20% over asking, or I'm going to get asking. And then it's on the market for two to three weeks and the buyers aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think this is a good opportunity for landlords to think, hey, most people have that mindset of interest rates 
have gone up significantly. Now the investments don't look as good when you look at the data of the purchase price and then you account for the interest rate, which is just one variable in there. You might be able to go in with an offer and actually get something accepted that you would not have got accepted back in December or mm. November of last year. And, and so I actually think this is interesting um, time because it's, you know, that Warren Buffett quote of be um, uh, greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Mm -hmm. And I think that others are fearful is what we see from the survey. And so it, it actually may be a fantastic opportunity, like find those great deals that you talk about, mm -hmm. uh, Michael, continue to look for those because you might actually be surprised by 2022, the rest of it. Yeah, what I'm telling people is kind of just that, right? I, you know, for the last couple of years when it was a hot market, I said we're doing good and great deals. I believe the market has changed. I believe the market gets better for several years. And we're only doing great deals. We're only writing great offers. We're getting closing costs paid. We're getting rate buy downs. We're not writing offers at list price. Uh, mm -hmm. And the whole idea is, I think there's a lot, a lot of more FOMO from sellers coming on the market here after NARS report yesterday. Uh, so I know. I've been doing this for 20 some years inside that yeah. wave of listings. There is some percent. I don't know what it is. Five, 10, 15, 20, no idea, but I know they're in there. There are some people that have to sell. I think a lot of this wave that is here and coming want to sell. And those are yeah. very different things right now. We got a whole bunch of want a whole bunch of wish pricing. My job for the next one, two, three, four years is only fishing for motivated sellers that equals needs to sell. So I'll be writing lots of offers below asking. I will ask for closing costs because that helps my yield. I will ask for mortgage rate buy down because that helps my yield. I honestly, Dana, I don't care if interest rates are 10%. Don't care. It's one variable. Yeah. I just do the math variable. and go, Oh, I only can offer this. And the seller can say yes, they can counter or they can say no. And I'll just move on to the next one. So yeah, I agree with you. It's time to do the work. It's time to get paid for doing the work. So I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited for what we're entering. Yeah, no, I, me too. Um, and, you know, you see that in the numbers that you have all these folks, 70% of them almost from last year that we're purchasing that are holding back. It's like, this is a huge opportunity for you. So I couldn't agree more with that, um, that you'll get, you can get more creative um, keep, keep looking for properties. Um, yeah. cause it could be tomorrow. It could be in a month, um, that you get a great deal. Yep. So let's remind people where they can get this report and we'll do one, uh, one question from the tenant side. Cause I know we have a hard stop here in about six minutes or so. So where can they find it? And let's talk about the tenant. Yeah. If you go to hemlane.com, you can scroll to the bottom, um, to resources there, or you could just say forward slash resources. Um, and that will give you all sorts of different blog content, uh, market research. And so you can just go there and it's um, one of the top articles there on our blog. Awesome. So what was the question maybe that you got from the tenants that maybe surprised you or was an aha moment? Yeah. So um, from the tenant side, we were really looking to understand inflation and with rent increases, um, how how that is impacting their ability to pay rent. What was really interesting is, and, and Michael, you know this, that um, if you spend over 30% of your income on rent, you're considered cost burdened. Uh, in other words, it's healthy to spend, ha to have a tenant where less than 30% of their total income 
is spent on their rent payment. We had 75% of tenants saying they're spending more than 30% oh. um, of their income. So this is three-fourths of tenants are spending more than 30% on yeah. um, um, on uh, uh, their uh, rent payments. And what was really interesting about it was we actually asked and dove into it a little bit further about well, why is that? And so we expected it to just be rent in their rent increases. And don't get me wrong, there are rent increases. So 68.5% of tenants had said, I've had my rent increase. But then we dug down into why and we asked why. And some of it was mobility of tenants saying, I moved into a more expensive place hmm. or I moved back to the city because I was living with my parents during COVID or something like that. And then I moved back with my tenants. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, you have to take both the landlord survey that we just went over and the tenant survey into account. It wasn't these landlords, small mom and pops being greedy and raising the rent a lot. It was actually tenants' personal choice to say, I do want to move back to a city. And as you know, Michael, in cities where rental rates are much yeah. higher, tenants tend to be more cost burden. They're not saving as much. Um, and so that was actually really interesting to me was the reasons why. Um, and it wasn't necessarily um, small mom and pop landlords increasing the rent. It was other factors outside yeah, of that. Th this is so interesting because something I've termed uh, recently, I talked about stimulus ballers. What, and what I mean by that yeah. is basically over the last couple of years, people were, um, they were sent checks, whether it's STEMI check, PPP loans, unemployment, extra unemployment, all of these things. And we saw some interesting behavior, right? We saw new cars go up. We saw Rolex, we saw just stupid things have record sales. Yeah. And one of them could have also been, hey, I'm feeling a little more robust. My savings looks better. Let me upgrade my residence. Now they yeah. did. And oh, by the way, that's more expensive, closer to the city, extra bedroom, nice newer built, whatever. Yeah. There's a cost in that. So it's interesting that a portion of the tenants made, it was a free choice that they made to put themselves in a tighter bind. It was, it's, it's just interesting to look at. Yeah, exactly. And this is where it's being financially prudent, right? And, and saving money if you're a tenant now um, and, and looking to, to buy properties. The other one that was really interesting, um, that was number four and the, like, the number of reasons why tenants um, did decide to, uh, or why they were cost burdened was one of them was moving to, into homes that were larger mm -hmm. or had more home amenities. And we have to think that has to do with the work from home culture. Of course. And people saying, I'm spending more time at home, so I'm okay spending more of my um, income on my home because I'm here much more than I used to be. And so that was another interesting one, I think, with how things are changing and how people are viewing their home. They're yeah. also viewing it as an office and saying, I like, you know, number three was they chose not to live with roommates or family. Yeah. It's like, hey, they're trying to move out. They're looking to potentially move from home or have that space. Yeah. And that that's a mindset. I don't know how, if it will change in the future with COVID well, as You know, well. it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a mindset, actually. I, I just think there was a saying that I had a, a year ago that I think is this is just proving, and that is space is good, right? Yeah. It's an extra bedroom or a den. It's a garage. It's a backyard for all of those reasons. And it's just interesting to realize that 
I think that trend continues, but you're still cost burdened and it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Cause, and this is why I think apartments are in trouble. I think rents are going to go down in apartments, but houses will go up Yeah. because again, yeah. space is good. So folks, if you want this survey, hemlane.com slash resources, uh, Dana, thank you very much for doing this all the way from Africa. It is seven yeah. o'clock Pacific or no seven o'clock PM for you. So yeah. thank you yeah. so much. Uh, we're going to do this again in two weeks. You're going to still be there. Yeah. Yes, I will be. I'll awesome. talk to you then. Thanks Thank so you. much. Take care.